God still speaks today. And God wants you to hear his voice daily. In fact, when it comes to our relationship with God, God wants us to hear from him all the time. And so that begs the question, why do so many of us struggle to hear his voice? We actually did a survey here at Quarry Rock, and the last question on that survey was, how often do you hear from God? And the results from the survey, what we found was that actually 71% of us here at Quarry Rock don't hear God's voice often. Now, I don't know about you, but that is kind of alarming to me. And now I've been there. I've been in this space where I've struggled to hear from God. There's been seasons in my life where I would go months without hearing his voice, and I would agonize over every decision that I was making, wondering if I was actually walking in his will or not. And so, like, maybe you're discouraged, and you need God's voice to speak encouragement to you. Maybe you're confused, and you need God's voice to speak clarity into your life. Maybe you don't know who you are, and you need God's voice to define you. Maybe you have to make a decision, and you're not sure which decision to make, and you need God's voice to give you direction. The good news is, you can hear from God consistently on a regular basis. And now again, I've been in that same boat where I've struggled to hear his voice, but over the years, God has taught me a lot about his voice. And so when it comes to hearing God's voice, I just before we dive in, I just want to clarify two things. There are, there are two words in the New Testament when it talks about God's voice or the word of God. And one of those words is, is logos. And what, this, what logos is talking about, it's talking about God's timeless word. God's logos is God's timeless word for everyone in all places. And so, for example, when God created the heavens and the earth and he created everything into existence and he gave us the, he spoke the laws of nature into existence, that is God's logos. It applies to every single one of us. Like gravity applies to me. Even, even if sometimes I wish it didn't, gravity applies to all of us. God's timeless word, his logos. Another example would be the Bible. The Bible is God's written word, his written logos, and, that, and the Bible is applicable to all people in all places at all times. It's not outdated, it's timeless. The other Greek word in the New Testament for God's word is rhema. And, and this is God's specific, timely word. This is God's personal word. God's rhema is, is when God speaks specifically to a specific person or group at a specific time for a specific reason. God's rhema to me will not always apply to everyone else. God's rhema is a personal word. It's what God's saying to you right now. And in Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God. And as it's listing off, how do we be effective spiritually? It gets near the, the end of the list at verse 17, and it says this. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And the Greek word for word in this passage is not logos. And that's usually how this passage gets interpreted. And usually what we think is, oh, I just need to read my Bible every day. But that's not actually what this passage is saying. And now reading your Bible every day is important. And there's and all throughout the Bible, it talks about how important it is. But in this passage, what it's talking about is that we all need 
a fresh rhema from God day in and day out. And the only way that we can be spiritually effective is if we get a fresh word from God on a regular basis. You can't win spiritually if you don't hear God's rhema regularly. And so it begs the question, how does God speak? How does the Holy Spirit speak to us? You see, we're in this series called the Holy Spirit. And in week one, Pastor Tim talked about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And in week two, last week, he talked about Pentecost and the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. And one of the things that we learned in week one is that the Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not an energy The Holy Spirit is a person, and he speaks. The problem is, because of sin, all of us are spiritually deaf. And we're spiritually hard of hearing. But fortunately, God gave us a spiritual hearing aid, the Holy Spirit. And so if you're struggling to hear God's rhema word day in and day out, Today is going to bring a lot of clarity. This isn't the sum of all knowledge on God's voice, but this would be a good introduction for all of us. And so how does the Holy Spirit speak? How does the Holy Spirit deliver his rhema word to followers of Jesus? And we're going to look at Acts 10 for this, but before we dive in, I just want to give a little bit of context of what's going on in this passage. You see, in, in Acts 10, this is obviously after Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the entire church. And so The church began to grow in numbers and in depth and in power. And what also grew along with the church is the persecution against the church. And so people started persecuting believers. And one of those people, his name was Saul, and he also goes by Paul. And eventually, he actually has an encounter with Jesus, and he gives his life to Christ. And around the same time, the apostle Peter is in this town called Joppa. And he's, and he's evangelizing to people, he's sharing the gospel, but he's, but he's also working with the Holy Spirit to convince these people that God is real and that Jesus is really Lord and Savior. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit did this is that there was someone who was dead, and Peter went up and prayed over this dead person, and they were raised to life. And this is where we leave off with, with Peter being in Joppa. And this is where we pick up in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says this, There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. About three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius, staring at him in awe, he said, what is it, Lord? The angel told him, your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, who was one of those who attended him. After explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were traveling and nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon. He became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners to the earth. 
In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. A voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter said, for I have never eaten anything impure and ritually unclean. Again, a second time, the voice said to him, What God has made clean, do not call impure. This happened three times, and suddenly the object was taken up into heaven. While Peter was deeply perplexed or confused about what the vision he had seen might mean, right away the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was also named Peter, was lodging there. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, Three men are here looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men and said, Here I am, the one you're looking for. What is the reason you're here? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who has a good reputation with the whole Jewish nation, was divinely directed by a holy angel to call you to his house and to hear a message from you. Peter then invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day he got up and set out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with them. And, and as it goes on, as the story goes on, Peter goes and he meets Cornelius and he actually preaches the gospel to him. And what's very significant about Cornelius and his family is that they become the first Gentiles to, to give their life to Christ and receive the Holy Spirit. And so if it wasn't for this instant, none of us would be followers of Jesus. Because at the time, there was a lot of confusion among the believers at that time, and they thought that only Jews could be saved. But what God was revealing to Paul through, through Peter, through the Holy Spirit, was that salvation is for everyone. And so this is an important time in Scripture. This is an important time in history. And the Holy Spirit is all over this passage talking to Peter. But before we dive in, let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. And God, I recognize that no one came here today to hear Christian Palmer speak they came to hear from you. And so, Father, we just ask that you would speak through me. And God, we ask that you would open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. God, we ask that you would encourage us where we're discouraged. And you'd strengthen us where we're weak. And you'd make us more like Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So in this passage, there is a lot going on. There's a lot of moving pieces. And the Holy, but the Holy Spirit is all over this passage speaking. And in this passage, we find three different ways that the Holy Spirit speaks. And in fact, I went through Acts, and you can look at every time the Holy Spirit speaks in Acts, and you can put them in one of these three categories. So let's start with the first one. The first way the Holy Spirit speaks is that the Holy Spirit speaks through impressions. The Holy Spirit speaks through impressions. And we get this from verses 19 through 20, which says this, while Peter was thinking about the vision, the spirit told him, three men are here looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. Now an impression is when God speaks to us internally. Here's the thing. God can speak to us audibly, but usually he doesn't. And we know that God didn't speak to Peter audibly in this passage 
Because the other people in the house didn't hear what was going on. They didn't hear the conversation between Peter and God. An impression can look like a lot of different things. An impression can look like a gut feeling. Or it can look like a a prompting. Like maybe the Holy Spirit will prompt you to talk to a stranger you don't know about Jesus. And it can also look like a physical feeling. Like I had a friend who, whenever he was talking with someone and his hands would get really warm, he knew that was the Holy Spirit giving him an impression to pray with that person. Another way that the Holy Spirit can give us an impression is through thoughts. Did you know that not every thought you have originates from your mind? In fact, there's times where God gives us a thought. But also on the flip side of that, the enemy can also give us thoughts. And so that begs the question, how do I know which thoughts are from God and which ones aren't? Well, the way you discern that and find that out is through intimacy and study. And so through intimacy, through knowing God better, the closer you are with God, the more able you are to distinguish his voice. And so it'll be a lot easier for you to distinguish which thoughts are from him if you know him better. And the other one, study, it comes from studying the Logos word of God. Because God doesn't contradict himself. God's rhema word will never go against his Logos word. And so the more you study the Bible and know what's in it, you will know whether a thought is from God or not, based on what it is telling you. Like, for example, there there are people who, plenty of people who claim to know when the world will end. And they will say, God told me that the world's going to end on this date. And every time that's happened, they're wrong. Now, why is that? It's because they might think they got an impression from the Holy Spirit, but that potential impression actually goes against what the Logos word of God says. Jesus actually said that no one knows but the Father when he will come back. And so people who claim to know go directly against what Scripture says. And so if if you think you might get an impression on you know when the world will end, just know that that's not from God because it's not what the scripture teaches. It goes directly in opposition to that. An example of when God gave me an impression, and impressions are actually the way that I hear from the Holy Spirit the most. But I was working at this place called Hope Harbor. And what Hope Harbor does is it, it brings broken families together and restores them. And so there, there's usually a, te- there's a teenage boy usually in the family. And usually this, this teenage boy can't reconcile with the family. They, they never behave, and there's usually a lot of behavioral problems. And a lot of times, they're, they're facing jail time if, they, if something doesn't change in their life. And so they'll come to Hope Harbor, and what we'll do is the, the teenage boys, they'll live at Hope Harbor, and we'll take care of them, we'll meet their needs, and we'll disciple them and, and show them how to really follow Jesus. But at the same time, what we do is we restore families, and so we give the parents tools, and we teach them how to parent like Jesus would, and we, and we bring the family together. But anyways, one day as I was driving to work, I got an impression from the Holy Spirit. And what, and what he told me was this. He said, Christian, do not be afraid. I'm with you. Whatever happens today, trust me. 
Now, instantly, I was on alert because here's the thing. If God is telling me not to be afraid, usually that means something's going to happen that would normally make me scared out of my mind. And so, sure enough, so, so sometime during that night, one of our residents actually ran away. <coughs> they, 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 they ran away, and I couldn't chase after them because I had other residents I had to watch over. So I had to call the cops, and I, and I had to call other staff and just make sure that this this kid was found. And now, normally what goes through my mind when, when I lose sight of the kid or I don't know where they're at, like, instantly the first thing I think is like, oh, they're dead. Or, you know, or someone kidnapped them. And I think the worst thing possible, and I begin to get really anxious. And so, by the way, for those of you that don't know, Hope Harbor is in Parker. And so Parker is a small town. So when someone runs away, it should be really easy to find them. Well, it took hours and hours to find this, this kid. And normally, I would be freaking out. But because the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he warned me, I was able to have peace amidst an anxious situation. And now, he was found, the cops found him, he was returned safely. But I would not have had peace throughout that whole situation and help keep the other residents calm if the Holy Spirit haven't give, given me an impression beforehand. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't hear impressions from God, a good first step is to ask God to speak to you and ask him to help you hear him. Because God desires for you to hear him. He will not withhold that from you. And so a great first place to start is to ask God to provide a rhema word from him. Also, something that's really important is that we need to set aside time. Set aside time where we're actually listening to God without any distractions, not, not with Netflix playing in the background or with music going on, because the more distractions that we have, the harder it's going to be for us to hear God. Here's the truth. If you don't spend quality time with God, you won't have quality hearing to hear him when he speaks to you. If you don't intentionally seek his voice out, you will miss it. And so what do we do when we have a potential impression where we think it might be from God? Well, first we should pray and ask God to clarify what he spoke to us. If you're, if you're unsure, ask God to clarify and solidify if that was from him or not. The next thing we can do is we, we test it against the Logos word of God. Because again, God will never contradict himself. And he won't tell you to do something that goes against what the Bible teaches. And that's why it's the ultimate authority on our life. Because again, God's Logos word is timeless and for everyone. And so if, if a potential rhema from God tells you to do something against what the Bible teaches, then it's not actually from God. And then the next step is if, if you pray and ask God to clarify and you feel like it's clarified for you and you've tested it against scripture and it passes the test, then act on it. If it's not actually from God, you won't sin because you've already tested it against scripture. But if it is from God, you will experience the best that he has for you. So that's the first way the Holy Spirit speaks through impressions. The second is this. The Holy Spirit speaks through dreams and visions. The Holy Spirit speaks through dreams and visions. And some of you may be thinking, this is really weird right now. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is not normal. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak to us in a normal way. 
And so in the passage that we read, Cornelius gets a dream in verses 3 through 6, and Peter gets a vision in verses 9 through 15. And so the Holy Spirit can and does speak to his people through dreams or visions. Now let me clarify for a second what's the difference between the two. Because there's a lot of overlap between a dream and a vision. But basically, the main distinction that Scripture makes about them is that a dream happens when we're asleep, and a vision happens when we're awake. And so a vision is kind of like a daydream. Not entirely, but kind of. Now, here's the thing. Not every dream you have is from God. Like, like I have used students, and, and when I talk to them about you know, God speaking through dreams, some of them are like, you know, my dreams are just me being chased by a giant grape with a pair of scissors. Like, I, I don't think that's God speaking to me. And the odds are that wasn't God speaking to them, but just because not every dream is from God doesn't mean that we should d- dismiss any dream that we have and every dream that we have. And sometimes, sometimes the Holy Spirit really does speak to us through dreams. And sometimes you can instantly know what it means like Cornelius did, or sometimes it might leave you confused like Peter does, and he needed God to clarify what the, what the dream meant. An example of a dream that God gave me is he actually he gave me a dream back in December. And so for some context of what was going on in my life, for those of you that don't know me very well, the year 2022 was by far the most painful and difficult year of my life. And it seems like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And through that season, God matured me a lot, but I was beginning to kind of lose hope that things were going to get better. I just, I just felt like I was going to be stuck in this, this season of just suffering for, forever. And, and in, back in December, I had a dream from God, and, and what the dream was, like it might seem really weird as I'm saying it to you, but trust me, there's a point to the dream. I was, putting, I was putting gas in my car, and somehow I fumbled it and messed it up, and gasoline got all over my car. And so I had, I had to pressure wash it and get, and get all, the, all the gasoline off of it. And that was the dream. And what God spoke to me through that dream was, he said, Christian, the power washing season of your life is almost over. But there, there just, there's still some things that I have to clean up in your life. And so lo and behold, like, that dream actually came to pass. As soon as the year 2022 ended, like the, the, the very hardcore power washing season of my life did end. And what God still had to clean up in my life is I still had some unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart towards some people who have hurt me. And so God, in that month, was, there were still hard things that I was dealing with, but I was able to be strengthened to persevere because God had spoken to me through a dream. And so if you get a dream, from, if you get a dream and you think it might be from God, one of the first things you should do is pray and ask God, God, is this dream from you or is this dream from somewhere else? Because again, God does speak through dreams, and don't just discount every dream you have. But every dream you have, seek God on it, because maybe he is trying to tell you something. And I would ask God to clarify the dream, and if, and if the dream is confusing and you don't know what it means, ask God to explain it to you. Also, when you have dreams, write them down. Because it's very easy for us to forget the dreams that we've had. Like that dream that I just shared with you, I actually completely forgot about it until this week. But the thing is, like, whenever I have a dream, I actually write it down on my phone. And, and, and I have a, a folder on my phone in my notes called Rama and Potential Ramas from God. And so I, as I was looking through to just give an example of how God spoke to me through a dream, I completely had forgotten about that dream. But because I had written it down, I was able to remember what God has done in my life 
And I was able to remember how God has spoken to me in the past. Because here's the thing. Maybe God has spoken to some of you, and maybe you've just forgotten it. Maybe it's not the fact that he isn't speaking to you. Maybe you just forgot what he said. And so I would encourage you to write down when you have a potential dream from God. And then share it. Share, share it with someone who is spiritually mature and can help you discern if this is really from God or not. And so a great people to come to, I would encourage you to go to Pastor Tim or come to me if, if you have a dream that you think may be from God. Because the thing is, God has designed the church to come together and help us discern the word of God. When, when, it's, when it's just one person discerning the, trying to discern the word of God, it, it leaves a very high room for error. But when you have a dream and God speaks to you and you think it may be God speaking to you and then God speaks to Pastor Tim and says the same exact thing, like that's a very good sign that God has, has actually spoken to you through this dream. And so I would encourage you, if you have a dream, ask God to clarify, write it down, and share it. And, and also, there, there's something else that when it comes to dreams that I want to talk about. It might, may seem a little bit off topic, but it's not. The Holy Spirit speaks to us spiritually, and sometimes in our culture, people try to take, chase physically what God can only provide spiritually, or where he only chooses to provide spiritually. And so an example is, is there's, there's some people in, in high school that I was friends with, and they would, they would take drugs, they would take shrooms or LSD, and, and they would say, this is how I talk to God. But that's not what the Bible teaches, we, we don't need anything physically to hear from God spiritually. And that's actually, when the Bible talks about witchcraft, that's actually what it is. It's trying to manipulate the world physically so that we can see something spiritually. But if you are really in tune and in step with God's spirit, you will hear when he speaks to you through a dream or through a vision. So those are the first two ways that the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks through impressions, and he speaks through dreams and visions. The third is this. The Holy Spirit speaks through messengers. The Holy Spirit speaks through messengers. Are you still tracking with me? This is a lot. We're, we're, we're diving deep, but this is really important for us to know. The Holy Spirit speaks through messengers. And we get this from verses 7 and 8 of what we read earlier, and it says this. When the angel who spoke to him, talking about Cornelius, had gone, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier who was one of those who attended him. After explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now that's key because in Cornelius' dream, God told him to send his servants to Joppa. And so his servants would not have heard a word from the Lord if they had not heard it through Cornelius. And so when God sends, God does still send messengers today. And sometimes God says, sends angels, but most of the time he sends people, people with the Holy Spirit. And so and when God gives someone a rhema word from you or for someone else, it is usually something that isn't known to them by natural means. Not always, but usually. For example, in this passage, there is no way that Cornelius could have known who Peter was and where he was staying that night. There was no internet back then. There was no phone book where Cornelius could look up Simon the Tanner. And so 
Cornelius had no idea who Peter was before God spoke to him, and, he, and Peter wasn't even where he normally lived. He was staying at someone else's house, and the only way he could have known that was by God speaking to him. And so God sends, when God sends messengers, this is usually really obvious to us. Like Usually it's really hard to miss when God sends you a messenger. But here's the thing. Just, be, just because God sends a messenger doesn't make his word any less valid. That the messenger doesn't make God's message any more diluted. So let me give an example of, of, of when God sent a messenger to me. As I shared about last year, it was very difficult for me. When, when, I, when I actually hopped on staff at Hope Harbor, actually, like, my first day was a staff retreat. So I always joke that, you know, I'm just here for the staff retreat and I'm going to quit. But... What was going on at the staff retreat, there was a little exercise that we did where we, we had index cards and we, we kind of drew each other's names out of a hat. And then we prayed and asked God, God, what do you want to say to this person? And we, we wrote it down. And what was going on in my life at the time is that God has called me to church multiplication. Or in other words, God has called me to plant a church. And at the time, I was really wrestling through a, a major setback in that area. And I was so discouraged. Like, like I, I was beginning to doubt God's call in my life, and I was so defeated, and I was so depressed about everything that had gone wrong, because it seemed like everything had gone wrong, and it just seemed like this wasn't going to happen, and I was just so discouraged. And, and, and I'm in a church planning network, and so is Pastor Tim, and we have a group of pastors where the common language is healthy disciples of Jesus multiply and make other disciples of Jesus, and healthy churches multiply and make other churches. But for me, that just it, it just seemed like that I completely failed at that. And so I, I just I did I did not know how to move forward. I could not move forward. I was still hung up on it months later and I just could not get past it. And so there's this guy on staff and his name is Kenny and he got my name. And so God God told him to write something for me, and it was literally one word. And here's the thing, Kenny and I, like, we, we didn't know each other. Like, he had no idea who, he, who I was. He had no idea God's call in my life. And he had no idea what I was facing and what I was discouraged with. And, and the word that, that God had him say to me was just the word multiplication. That was it. Just one word. And he had no idea what it meant. He just told me what God told him to say to me. And so he said, Christian, you know, God gave me like one word for you, and that word is multiplication. I have no idea what that means. Like maybe you're supposed to be a math teacher or something. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me through Kenny. And there was people in my life who were trying to encourage me, but nothing at the moment could, could help squench the doubts that I was facing and the discouragement that I was facing. I needed a word from God. And I, the only thing that could have transformed my life, the only thing that could have encouraged me and, and to, keep, to keep pressing forward and to keep pushing and to not doubt God's call in my life was a word from God himself. And God sent a messenger to me. Because if it wasn't for him, I may have quit. And I may not even be a pastor anymore. I was so defeated. But God speaks through messengers. And, I, and here's the thing. There's... For a lot of us, like maybe there's some apprehension when it comes to God speaking to us through messengers. Because here's the reality. There are people who have abused this in the past. There are people who have said, I have a word from God, but it actually wasn't from God. And it brought a lot of destruction. And the Bible talks about this, how there are false prophecies and false messengers. But 
part of the problem of what's been going on is because sometimes we're so afraid of false prophecy and we're so afraid of false words from God that we just push away any word from God. And, and Satan is perfectly happy with that. Like, he's fine if you, if you don't listen to the false prophecy. As long as you don't hear anything from God, he's perfectly content with that. And so for us, it's important that we're wise about it, but it is important that we seek to hear God through messengers. And when someone speaks to you and says they have a word from God to you, it is important to be wise about it and to discern, is this really God or not? Because that is an important factor. And so one of the things we do when someone gives us a word from God is to test it against Scripture. And you've heard me say this two other times today, but the application for all three of these are the same. When someone has a potential word from God to you, it's important for us to test it against Scripture. Because again, God won't contradict himself. God won't go back on his word. And God wants us to test every potential rainbow word from him because God's word can stand up to the test. God's word can pass the test, but a false word will not. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21 says this. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. But test all things. And so one of the ways that we stifle the spirit is that we just throw away any potential word from God. And we don't even test it. We just say, nope, that's definitely not from him. But what God wants us to do is God wants us to, again, to be wise about it and to, and to come together and to discern, is this really God or not? Because if it is really a word from the Lord, it will change everything in your life. Again, God's rhema word will never go against his logos word. And so if anyone says that they have a word of the Lord for you, just make sure that it lines up with Scripture. The next thing that we can do is to seek godly counsel. I've said this before as well, but when you think God is sending someone to tell you a word, when they say I have a word from the Lord, or maybe God gives you a word that maybe you think that you should share with someone else, I would encourage you to seek godly counsel on that as well. Because God designed the church for us to work together to discern his will. And we get this from Ephesians 3.10 where it says this. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. And so God gave us the church to help us discern his words. And so if you have something that you think may be a word from the Lord... Please take it to the church, because if you don't, there's a, high, a way higher room for error. But we can help discern what is from God and what's not. And when God gives you a word from someone else, again, same deal. Test it and seek godly counsel. But did you know that God actually wants to speak to people through you? He doesn't just want to speak to you. He wants to speak to people through you. Because when God sends messengers, this is one of the most obvious ways that God speaks. And so people who cannot hear God through impressions or through dreams and visions, usually God sends a messenger. And so for, the, for those people in the world who don't know Jesus, God wants to give them a word through you. And for all of us, 
We've come to know Jesus because God gave them a rhema word for us to preach the gospel to us. That the gospel isn't just for some people, it's for all people, and it's for you. And so to sum up, the Holy Spirit speaks through three main ways. He speaks through impressions, he speaks through dreams and visions, and he speaks through messengers. If you're part of that 71% of us who maybe don't hear from God that often, I would encourage you to seek his voice. Because it will change your life. It will give you clarity when you're confused. It will give you direction when you don't know where to go. It will define you when you don't know who you are. When, when you have something that may be an oppre- you think might be an oppression from God, seek his voice. When you have a dream or a vision that might be from God and you're not sure, seek his voice. Because he will make it clear to you. If someone comes to you and has a word from God to you, seek his voice. Some of you in the room or watching online, maybe you don't know God at all. Like maybe you don't have a relationship with him. And I have a word from God to you. Come home. See, God loves us so much that he came to earth, and his name is Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross, and he rose from the grave. And why did he do that? Because all of us are infected with sin, and all of us need a Savior, whether we recognize it or not. But God came to save us, and he gave his life on a cross, and he rose from the grave, conquering the power of sin so that we can be reunited with God. Because the truth is, when we, when we sin and when our relationship with God was broken, we lost the ability to hear his voice. But God doesn't want us to wander aimlessly through life. God really does want you to hear his voice. And so he came himself to make sure that happened. And so if you want, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, I would encourage you to put your, your faith in him, or in other words, trust. There's no magic words. There's no magical ritual you have to do. There's nothing you can do to earn it. God gives it to you as a gift And we all receive that gift by trusting him enough to give it to us. God still speaks today. Will you listen for him? Please join us for our closing song.